Hey guys, welcome into another Busting Brackets podcast. I'm your host, Brian Ralph, here joined, as always, by my co-host, Connor Hope. And we have three great guests on here with us today. Tristan Freeman is back for another round. Anthony Brown, back for another round. We're joined by Brandon Simberg as well, talking first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Um, kind of a dull weekend, with the exception of a couple games. I think the general consensus was it was an underwhelming opening weekend, especially considering what we saw last year. Connor, what was your biggest takeaway from the first two rounds? For me, the biggest takeaway has to be the fact that I think every uh, person who analyzes reports on writes about college basketball was right and that the top tier of teams is just a lot better than everyone else. Uh, there are only two teams in the Sweet 16 that are not on the top four seed lines. You've got a five seed in Auburn and you've got a 12 seed in Oregon who has been hot the past month. Uh, analytics, Ken Palm, for, the top 14 teams on Ken Palm are all in the Sweet 16. The net seems to reflect that the top teams all got into the Sweet 16. So I think that people are going to look at the lack of upsets and call this automatically a bad tournament. I think it's bad because of the amount of blowouts that happened, but it's setting up to be about right in terms of the top teams moving on. And so the best team, I think, or or one of the best teams is going to be crowned the champion and there's not going to really be uh, any real surprises this year. Yeah. Well, one thing all of that sets up is the fact that we have a bunch of really, really good games in the Sweet 16, just high-profile matchups you want to see. There weren't those upsets early on, but I think the lack of moments really is what I think stuck out more than anything else. Um, you can have some of those close games, and if the higher teams win in, in those close games, kind of as we saw with Duke UCF over the weekend, that felt like March Madness. Even though there weren't upsets, there were still not those sort of marquee moments that we could look back on and remember the tournament by, at least in my opinion. Uh, Tristan, what about you? What was your big takeaway from the weekend? I think when you looked at uh, all the bubble teams who got in, you know, we talked about how great, you know, teams at top were, but you can make an argument that the team seeded 9 through 11 wouldn't have been tournament teams in any other year, and they pretty much showed it. Uh, you looked at Washington getting hammered by UNC. You look at teams like Arizona State getting blown out. You look at teams like Baylor, who – I don't think was a nine seed at all. I think you could have made argument that they weren't really a tournament team themselves getting shellacked by Gonzaga. So there really just weren't that many matchups, which caused there not to be a lot of close games. You saw, you know, some of the one seeds, you know, struggle a bit in the first half, but I think in a 40 game span, pretty much you've seen all the teams who are favored look that way at the end of 40 minutes. So I don't think, th I think we would have wanted to see some more close games some tight some tight ones, but at the end, I think there was just such a talent, uh, talent disparity that the results were expected. Yeah. Anthony, what about you? Um, I'm looking at, you know, the strength of the conferences. You know, the Big Ten and ACC were doing big things that have been doing big things this tournament. Um, you know, you look at Iowa and Tennessee and how Iowa battled back against Tennessee only to lose in overtime, Maryland losing a close one to LSU, um, you know, the different, the other different teams in the Big Ten um, contributing well. 
Um, I think that, you know, the Big Ten and ACC did a great job of, those teams did a great job in the tournament, but ultimately, you know, the top tier ones in those conferences ultimately are going to prevail and, you know, show that they are, you know, where they're supposed to be. Yeah, as you said, five teams from the ACC in the Sweet 16, four from the SEC, three from the Big Ten. Brandon, what about you? As we move forward here, um, moving ahead of the Sweet 16, and also looking back last weekend, what was kind of your big takeaway? Yeah, one thing that I, I noticed was that winning the conference tournament, especially in these multi-bid leagues, is maybe not as important as we think it is. You know, Iowa State made a run to win the Big 12 tournament, and then they were upset in the first round. Uh, Cincinnati beat Houston in the American Athletic Conference Championship. And you know, they lost the first round to Iowa while Houston, while Houston was still alive. Um, you look at you know Gonzaga, they lost their conference championship to St. Mary's, and they came out laser focus against uh, in their first round match against Fairleigh Dickinson, I believe, and then against Baylor. And you know Villanova won the Big East conference uh, conference tournament, and they're you know they didn't make it to the Sweet 16. So I think that you know when we talk about oh who's going to make it far and how far can this team go. The conference tournament might not be the best metric because these teams might get tired. I think we saw that this year with a lot of them getting bounced early. Yeah, and that is interesting. I'm looking at it right now. I think there's only, uh, let's see, Duke, Auburn, um, Michigan State, and Oregon, obviously, um, mm-hmm. that won their conference tournament that are still playing. And so that's a, a quarter of the Sweet 16 teams. Right. Yeah, I mean, that that that's really, really – Interesting when you think about it. Usually people look at momentum in March, uh, but this year it's not necessarily carrying over from one week to another. Let's let's dive right into the Sweet 16 now. Uh, I want to start with the top seed, Duke, because I think they looked – everyone can kind of agree. They looked a little bit shaky against UCF. Um, Tristan, do you think that's a sign of things to come for Duke against Virginia Tech, the team that had already beat them this season, or uh, can Duke kind of get back on track and roll in that game? There are two things with uh, their matchup with UCF that I'm not sure will be replicated. Either way, I think, for one, you're not going to have a guy with the presence of Taco Fall in the paint that's going to deter Duke from going inside. That being said, though, it was really remarkable to see how Duke's guards, particularly Jordan Gortwell and then Trey Jones, just refused to shoot while Taco Fall was in the paint. I wonder if that's going to be a kind of template that other teams like Virginia Tech or the winner of LSU, Michigan State could do against them and just quite frankly force Duke to shoot 30 times from three and hope that Zion doesn't dominate. Uh, This is a rematch from two weeks ago where neither team had their best player and you saw Kerry Blackshear go off. I wonder how that's going to work when he takes on Zion when they face up against each other but it's also going to be impending on R.J. Barrett to show why he's a top three draft. He didn't look that great so far. I think Cam Reddish is basically going to be a role player. And as much as we've uh, ragged on before, Jack White's absence is going to be big. He's arguably the team's you know, second best shooter from deep. And if he's not going to play and Duke can't shoot, I mean, it makes them vulnerable for an upset. So I would not overlook the Hokies at all. And I think – Duke's going to have to find ways to get some of these role players going if they're going to want to win it all. Yeah, Connor, that essentially junk defense that UCF played, leaving Trey Jones wide open, leaving Jordan Goldwire wide open, basically daring them to shoot. 
Do you think other teams in the tournament are going to employ similar strategies against Duke? Or do you think that was just a one-off thing UCF was doing because they had that size in the paint? I think that UCF wanted Duke to shoot. They were daring Duke to shoot. But I also think that they, at points, were just trying to get them to to be off. I mean, Duke's not necessarily a team that likes to shoot, but Zion Williamson wasn't bad shooting in that game. I think more of what it was, was I think they wanted someone other than Zion Williamson to take up most of the scoring load because they know that Zion Williamson is the most efficient scorer. And getting players like Cam Reddish or Trey Jones to start off slowly and have that kind of hurt their confidence as a freshman player, as a young player who hasn't had the experience to kind of stick through those rough patches yet, really helped them keep it closed. But I don't think that anyone has the interior presence that Taco Fall presents, um, at least not in the East region, to do what to replicate what UCF did. Um, other than that, I don't, I don't know how. I think I think that Virginia Tech is screwed, to be honest with you, because <laughs> Duke had that slow game. Uh, Coach K is not going to let it happen two games in a row. And, and you've seen it with other teams that came out slow in one game. Uh, UNC is a perfect example. They came out slow in their game against the 16-seed Iona. Uh, they won that game, and then they came out against Washington and didn't even let the Huskies have a shot. So... I think if any team has the interior presence to really challenge Duke on their way to the national championship game, it is going to be a Michigan or a Gonzaga. But as far as Virginia Tech, I think Virginia Tech will want Duke to shoot, but they're not going to have the ability to really protect the paint in order to force Duke to shoot. Right. That was like the craziest thing to me was seeing Duke's athletes and the quality players they have who are excellent at attacking the basket and slashing look hesitant to go at the rim when Taco falls in the game. It, it completely threw Duke off the rhythm, and not everybody has the size to do that. It was it was basically Taco Fall that deterred them from going to the rim. It wasn't anything, um, at least in my mind, the defensive system that UCF was running. It was the fact that they had this giant dude in there who was going to block your shot if you got around the rim. Uh, right, right. And they played solid perimeter defense, UCF. Yeah, oh yeah. It was just the fact that there, there was a seven foot six center in the paint that deterred them from from really driving. So that's the key for all the mid-majors coaches out there is go find yourself a 7-6 guy and put him on your team. Maybe you could beat Duke. <laughs> I want to look now at the other game in that East region, which I think is pretty intriguing. Anthony, I want to talk with you about this LSU-Michigan State matchup. Uh, LSU is coming off uh, a close win against Yale and then a last-second win over Maryland in one of the better games of the tournament so far. Michigan State has looked okay dealing with injuries, struggled with Bradley, uh, but got past Minnesota no problem. Both of these teams can be dangerous, but both of them are also fairly limited with Michigan State's injuries and LSU not having Will Wade. How do you see this matchup going? Um, I think LSU can't – excuse me, sorry. I think LSU can give Michigan State a run for its money. Um, as they showed against uh, Maryland, they – have outstanding guard play with Tremont Waters, Skylar Mays, and uh, Javante Smart. Um, and um, Naz Reed is a big guy to look out for um, down low. Um, I think they did a great job against Maryland. I think they can do an okay job against Michigan State. 
Um, I think where LSU is going to run into trouble is with, you know, their mix, how they try to use their guards on the defensive end. I, I feel like if LSU can get their offense going with their guards, Waters, Schuyler, and um, Waters, Mays, and um, Smart, they'll be fine. But ultimately, I think, you know, uh, Michigan's, uh, excuse me, Michigan State's uh, experience is going to propel them to victory over LSU. And that is the interesting thing about LSU is they've gone this far without their coach and without a team that's necessarily relying on upperclassmen. A lot of sophomores, a lot of freshmen, a lot of real young guys who are coming up big in big minutes here. Uh, Brandon, I want to talk with you specifically about the one matchup at point guard I think could be interesting in this game. Uh, Tremont Waters, LSU, catches Winston at Michigan State. Winston has sort of carried the Spartans to this point through the injuries that they've had and kept them – that's one of the top teams in the country. Uh, Tremont Waters has proven this year, particularly in the Maryland game, showed it again, um, that he's capable of, of playing with anybody. What do you see in that matchup, and what do you think that matchup, the impact it could have on the outcome of the game? Um, you know, Winston, he's obviously a very heady point guard, but he has a little bit of a tendency to you know, maybe turn the ball over, trying to make the perfect pass. And Waters, the co-executive player of the year, uh, you know, led the – by the conference and steals. So if Waters is able to kind of get up in Winston and pressure him and force turnovers, that can really change the game, you know, in LSU's favor, where if Winston takes care of the ball and doesn't turn over as much and doesn't let the Tigers get out in transition, then that could really hurt them. So I think if the biggest thing to watch is ball control in that matchup if, if Winston can take care of the ball. And then on the other side, you know, Waters hit that hit huge shot down the stretch against Maryland. But didn't have a particularly great game from the perimeter. If he's if he starts getting going from deep, you know that's going to be a big issue for Michigan State. Yeah. Uh, now, who, who would you have win in that game? We'll, we'll go kind of around the horn here. Uh, who I do you think, have one of those two games in the Sweet Sixteen? Then who do you have going into the Final Four? So from the the East region. From the East region. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take Duke in the first game. You know, like we said earlier, I think they're going to come out laser focused after almost losing UCF. And then LSU-Michigan State, I like uh, Michigan State. I think well, LSU, they've struggled in second halves in both the Yale and Maryland game, and I think a lot of that is coaching, and without Will Wade, they can't make adjustments. I think Izzo is going to make the power adjustments to get them past LSU. And then in the lead eight, I'm going to go with the Duke Blue Devils. I think Zion and RJ are just a little too talented for the Spartans team. It's kind of overachieved. But I like Duke going to Final Four out of the East region. Yeah, Anthony, real quick, what would be your picks for these games? Um, I like um, Michigan State to beat LSU, Duke to move on against Virginia Tech. Um, as far as the Elite Eight matchup with Michigan State and um, Duke, I'm um, I'm in agreement. I'll go Duke against uh, Michigan State. I like uh, the guard play for um, Michigan State, but I think Duke is just too athletic. They're too – they're well coached by Coach K, like Izzo, but um, Coach K has the athletes. You know, he has the freshmen, he has the youth, but they're more they're experienced, and they, in terms of their athleticism and how they, you know, can look at the game. And I think that's a credit to um, Coach K's ability 
to um, get them to see, you know, different um, things out on the floor. Um, but I do like Duke to make it the final four. Tristan, same question to you. Who you got coming out of this region? Yeah, I think that UCF game was probably the worst thing that could have happened to Virginia Tech. I think Duke's going to steamroll them, and I think uh, in a tight battle, Michigan State's going to uh, – slide by LSU and then I think it's a it'll be entertaining matchup I like to see what Nick Ward and Xavier Tillman can do against Zion but I think in the end Duke's just going to have too much firepower I think they're just going to start hitting some shots from deep and they're just going to advance to the final four Connor do you have Duke as well or who do you have yeah I I, I agree with Tristan and I said it as soon as that UCF game ended uh, I think Duke's gonna blow right by Virginia Tech and I also think that the experience uh, of the starters for Michigan State is going to benefit them, especially against a team whose head coach isn't there. So I, I like Michigan State in that second matchup. Um, and then I just think Duke's too good to keep out of the to, – to not make the Final Four. So, so I like Duke coming out of the East. So, Yeah, I think we're all pretty much in consensus on Duke coming out. I personally would take LSU over Michigan State. Uh, I just think LSU has the athletes and the size to take advantage of Michigan State's injuries and their lack of depth. But I do think it's going to be a really good game. Connor, I'll, I'll stick with you. We'll just move straight down the bracket here to the west, talk about Gonzaga and Florida State. A rematch of last year's Sweet 16 game, a game Florida State upset Gonzaga. Do you see something similar happening this year, or do the Zags get their revenge and, and keep rolling? It's close. I think that people – are talking about Florida State, and Florida State is a better team this year than they were last year. Gonzaga is also a much better team this year than they were last year. Um, Florida State has a ton of depth. They can run 9, 10 deep. Gonzaga, realistically, is only going to run 8 deep. They can run 9 deep, but I don't think that Philip Petrusev is, athlete, is as athletic um, and won't get many minutes this, this game. I do think, though, that Jeremy Jones will be one of those players to watch off the bench for Gonzaga. He has the length and the athleticism to really match Florida State. So while he's not going to be a high-volume scorer for Gonzaga, um, he'll be a good defensive option. He'll be a good 3 and D guy. Uh, I like Gonzaga. I don't think we've seen the best of Gonzaga in the tournament yet. Rui Hachimura, Zach Norbell have both kind of struggled scoring the ball. Uh, but I think that with another week to prepare and really focus it on those issues that they've been having over the last two to three weeks. Um, I think that the Zags will win, but I don't think it'll be a, a wide margin. I think the Zags win by two, maybe three points. I want to ask you about, about something else with this game with regards to Josh Perkins. Cause I know you think he's sort of been unfairly criticized this year or not given enough credit for the way he's played. He, was certainly a factor in Gonzaga's loss to Florida State last year. I thought he had some problems handling Florida State's pressure. Do you think maybe he could be the key to this game? That the Zags need him to play well to win. How do you, um, I guess, break down his 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 matchup going into that game? Yeah, I, I definitely think that he is going to have a, at least a more efficient game, right? He, I like Josh Perkins when he has another player to really run off of. Um, whether that be Zach Norvell, uh, who who played well uh, as kind of that assist man when he wasn't scoring the past two games, um, or Gino Crandall. Uh, last year, they really were missing that second point guard, and I think that 
Josh Perkins has a tendency to want to play hero ball when he's missing that that second playmaker. And, and I think that this year he doesn't have to be that playmaker at all times. So um, I don't think he's necessarily going to put up huge numbers because I do think that his size is going to be a little bit of an issue. But I also think that he's, you know, he's a senior. He's been to the Sweet 16 three years in a row. This will be his fourth year. I, I think he'll be ready. Yeah, that'll be an interesting game. And Michigan was also in this West region last year. It's funny, you got three of the same four teams in the Sweet 16 in the same region from a year ago. Uh, they're going up against a tough Texas Tech team, Tristan. Um, I think that has the potential to be one of the games of this round. Who do you like in that matchup? This is truly a mere matchup of teams who play similar styles and are pretty much built the same. Both have a leading, a leading player who can score 20 between Jarrett Culver at Texas Tech and Brzezinkis of Michigan. They're both defensively sound teams who have a lot of uh, quality shooters and great uh, defensive big men between John Tech and Tariq Owens. I think, I mean, what's going to come down to is which team can shoot the ball. Uh, that's really the only thing that can separate these teams from one another. And that's a, an area where I think uh, Matt Mooney and David A. Moretti could possibly give the Ra- Raiders a small edge, although I'll be interested to see what Xavier Simpson and uh, Jordan Poole can do for the Wolverines. But this truly is one of those toss-up games where I could see one team possibly getting a 10-0 run that could decide it. What kind of impact do you think Jarrett Culver will have? Because I, I think he's the best player on the court in that game, and Texas Tech runs a lot of their offense and the things they want to do through him. Michigan is probably the best defensive team they may have faced this season. Uh, Trist, do you think that Culver can carry Texas Tech, or do you think Michigan may may stop him a little bit? Yeah, I, I think what's what, what Michigan's going to do is they're going to put Charles Matthews on him as much as they possibly mm-hmm. can. I'm trying to think, if you look throughout the Big 12, is there any single defender, maybe Marcus Garrett of Kansas, that is as talented a defender as Culver has seen all year? Right. Uh, he's done well. You know, he did well against uh, Reddish and Barrett at Duke earlier, so he can score. But I think it would be a mistake if you try to force-speak ball for him. I think this is going to be one of those cases where Matt Mooney in particular, grad transfer from South Dakota, is going to have to step up and find his shot and not necessarily have Culver take 20 shots. Because he could, cause he could go 7-20 to 20 when you have a guy in Charles Matthews guarding him, or even you could put Przingis on him to add more size. So. Uh, who do you have winning that game? Uh, I guess just go ahead and give me your Elite Eight picks and then Final Four. Yeah, I have uh, Texas Tech uh, beating Michigan in a close one, and I have Florida State taking out Gonzaga. I think – uh, as great, I think uh, Tilly is going to be an X factor because he's going to be able to spread the floor. But I have a feeling that we're not going to see a lot of Christ Kumaje because I think he's just a bad matchup for Clark and Hachimor. I think you're going to see Calvin Gelly play 30 plus minutes. He's going to be the guy. Look for Devin Vassell to hit some huge key shots. I think their depth is just going to be a little too much for Gonzaga, who can be streaky at times. Watch out. Hopefully, Norvell and Perkins can hit shots, but I think. The Seminoles will slide by. And then I have Florida State, when Leonard Hamilton, age 70, finally get his due, beat <laughs> Texas Tech. And, and I think what's going to happen is Calvin Gelly is going to be leaving after this year because he's going to be a lottery pick after the kind of run he has in the tournament. I got the Seminoles making a tiny bit of a 
their own little Cinderella run and being the one ACC team that makes it to the Final Four. Okay. Brandon, what about you? Who do you think comes out of this region um, and who do you think wins the Sweet 16 games? Yeah, I'm going to take Gonzaga over Florida State in a nail-biter. I think Brandon Clark is going to be the difference maker. Obviously, he wasn't the team last year for Gonzaga, and he's just been a beast as of late. He's one of the most underappreciated players in the country. You know, I think a lot of the attention goes to Hachimura. So I think Clark's going to be the difference maker for the Zags in that game. And then, you know, like we talked about, Jared Culver, I think he's going to make the difference for Texas Tech. You know, both defenses are so great. They're going to need a bucket. I think Culver's the guy who steps up and makes the big plays for Texas Tech. And then I have Gonzaga over Texas Tech in the Elite Eight. Like I said, the size of Clark and Hachimura, I think is going to be too much for the Red Raiders. Connor? Do you think the Zags get through the Final Four? Or do you think someone knocks them off? Who do you have? I think that Gonzaga is probably going to take out uh, Florida State in a close one. I think the the difference between the two schools is going to be. I think Florida is just going to make more mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida turns the ball over. Florida State, sorry, turns the ball over a lot, uh, and they also foul quite a bit. Uh, and Gonzaga, if you foul the wrong person, Norvell, Perkins. They shoot really well from the line. Even Brandon Clark, as of late, has been shooting relatively well from the line. So I think that Gonzaga is just the team with the right amount of experience and the right amount of consistency to take out Florida State. I like Texas Tech in a close one against Michigan. And I think that this West region, Florida State, Gonzaga, Texas Tech, Michigan, are going to be the probably the closest games of any of the, the four regions. Um, when it comes to Gonzaga, Texas Tech, I agree. I think Gonzaga's size is going to give Texas Tech quite a bit of issues, and I think that Gonzaga's offense is going to just outscore the Red Raiders. So I like Gonzaga moving on to the Final Four, but it's not going to be easy, and I think that all three games are going to be a matter of two to three possessions at most. Anthony, do you have Gonzaga, Texas Tech as well, or do you see someone else getting out of there? Um, I like Florida State to beat Gonzaga and Michigan over Texas Tech. Um, yes. <laughs> um, I like Florida State simply because we haven't spoken about um, Terrence Mann. I think Terrence Mann is going to have to be key. He was key in the last matchup. He had 18 points, five rebounds to lead all scorers. Um, Kevin Gelly had um, – uh, well, in this tournament, excuse me, he had, in this tournament, 43 points and 17 rebounds. He's been key off the bench for Florida State, so I feel like him and Terrence Mann need to come together in order to beat um, Florida State. And as far as the Texas Tech and Michigan matchup, I look at Charles Matthews and Jordan Poole. They need to have big games in order for, um, you know, Texas Tech to essentially lose. Um, But I think that game will be um, a close one. I give the Wolverines a slight edge by five or six points maybe, but it's not going to be a situation where one team has a big run. I think it's going to be back and forth maybe throughout the last five minutes. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement that these games will be close. I actually have Texas Tech advances the final four beating Gonzaga in that elite eight game. Um, I think Texas tech is just the most balanced team in this region right now. Their defense is the best in the country, if not one of the best in the country. 
Um, their offense has come on these last 12 games since their loss to Kansas, which was February 2nd, I believe. They're averaging roughly 75 points a game, which was a 10 points per game boost of what they're averaging before. And they're really, uh, I think, playing some, some really good basketball on both ends. So I like the Red Raiders to advance the Final Four out of there. Anthony, I want to stay with you. I want to change things up a little bit because I think the other matchup that intrigues me a lot, kind of similar to that Texas Tech-Michigan game, is the Purdue-Tennessee game. I think both of these teams kind of came into the tournament with a little bit of an overrated label. Some people calling them overrated. Um, Purdue hasn't any problems getting through Sweet 16. Tennessee had to survive against Iowa in overtime. Uh, who do you like in this matchup? What do you see as being the keys? Um, I like Tennessee in this matchup. I like Tennessee because I feel like they have more weapons in Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams. Um, Purdue is like has Carson Edwards. He's the heart and soul, the lifeblood of that team. Um, for in order for the Bullermakers to beat Tennessee, Ryan Klein has to go off. Matt Harms has to go off in addition to Carson Edwards. Um, I think the keys for Tennessee really let Carson Edwards go off and try to stop everybody else. Um, Florida State did that with Murray State and John Morant. So if you can stop Carson Edwards, and if you can let Carson Edwards go off, excuse me, and just try to stop everybody else, stop everybody else's production, then Tennessee wins this. Yeah, and for Purdue, whenever Carson Edwards plays well, they play well, and they can beat anybody. Uh, when he doesn't, those other guys, as you mentioned, aren't necessarily able to pick up the slack for them. Getting a, a big team effort is going to be key for them to beat a, a team in Tennessee that has a, a pretty balanced attack. Uh, Brandon, I want to go to the the one twelve matchup mm-hmm. in that region with Virginia, Oregon. Uh, Oregon, by far the lowest seed left in the tournament, but might be the hottest team in the tournament, having won 10 games in a row. Virginia uh, is back to looking like Virginia. I think I got past a little bit of their tournament hiccups with that Gardner-Webb win. Uh, what do you see in this matchup? Yeah, obviously it's a matchup of two great defenses. That's what it's, it's kind, kind of being built up as. You know, Oregon, they've looked really impressive through the first two games. I'm amazed at like, how – mediocre they were to start the season because this team clearly has talent with a bunch of four and five stars. But I think Virginia is going to pull this one out just because I think their their discipline and their stop making is going to be too tough for Oregon to match. We saw in the UC Irvine game, the Ducks went on a a long scoring drought to let the Anteaters back in. And I think Oregon, they they can't do that against Virginia. You can't go on scoring droughts against a team as solid as Virginia. So I think if you're Pulling the walk to be, can Oregon, you know, score enough and keep up the pace with Virginia, which ultimately I don't think they'll be able to. So I think Virginia is going to walk away with the win. Yeah, Oregon, I think, went nine or ten minutes without scoring in that mm-hmm. UC Irvine game. Which if Virginia gets you nine or ten minutes without scoring, uh, you're not going to win that game. Uh, just the amount of possessions that you have, I agree. I think that's that's a big big game. Who do you have coming out? Uh, so you got Virginia winning that game. Who do you have coming out of the other game, Purdue or Tennessee? And then who do you have in the Final Four? Yeah, I like Tennessee in that game. You know, Purdue's last two losses were both to Minnesota, and the formula the Golden Gophers used was their inside presence with uh, Jordan Murphy and Daniel Oturu. And a better front court than Murphy and Oturu is Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield. And I think their front court 
will push them over the Boilermakers. And I like Virginia over Tennessee. I feel like they'll be able to slow them down and get them in the half-court game. And I think that Virginia is going to prevail and get to the Final Four. Uh, Tristan, who do you have coming out of here, coming out of this region? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, even though Virginia has Oregon, I they, sh- they should be a little upset because compared to the other teams they could have faced, I think Oregon was the best option in terms of their toughest opponent. Uh, so I think it'll be a tight one for maybe 25 minutes, but the Cavaliers will move on. Uh, Tennessee, Purdue, I mean, it's a simple question. How many points is Carson Edwards going to score? Mm-hmm. If he gets to around 25-plus, then I think Purdue has a legit shot. If he has an off game or if Tennessee can just simply outscore Purdue altogether, then they'll be fine themselves. I think I wonder if the Boilermakers can match up the balls when it comes to their size front court wise. And I think, you know, if Lamonte Turner, Jordan Bone can just uh, guard Carson Edwards enough to at least limit his production, they'll have it. But I think when it comes to Virginia versus Tennessee, that, that's a tough one because they both match up pretty well against each other. I think. What uh, Schofield does against uh, DeAndre Hunter could potentially decide that game. But, you know, Tennessee doesn't give off a lot of confidence based on how they played in the first two games. So I got to go with the Cavaliers to go to the Final Four. Yeah, as long as Admiral Schofield keeps himself in that game, um, you know, there could be a, a, a matchup to watch there. Anthony, what about you? I know we, we broke down the Purdue-Tennessee game. Uh, who do you like coming out of this region? Um, I like – Tennessee to beat Purdue, and I like um, Virginia to beat Oregon. In terms of that head-to-head between Virginia and Tennessee, I like Virginia because um, I think Virginia's just more a fun, just a more fundamentally sound team than Tennessee is. Um, and I feel like Tennessee can keep pace with Virginia, but only to a certain point. But Virginia. If Virginia goes on a run, then Virginia has the game probably by five or ten points. Yeah. Connor, do you see Virginia coming out as well? I think it's a general consensus with Virginia. Or do you see someone else making the Final Four? Yeah. I think that Virginia is playing well enough on defense and and doing enough on offense to come out. I have them coming out as well. I have them beating Purdue, though, in the Elite Eight. Carson Edwards is just playing on a whole other level. And the size of that backcourt for Purdue, I think is enough to give players like Jordan Bone and Admiral Schofield some issues for Tennessee. Tennessee's been been cutting it close in these first two games, in games that they really shouldn't be cutting close. Um, so unless Carson Edwards has this game that is atrocious, I, I think that Purdue pulls that one out in a really tight one. But I, I think that Virginia then comes in and just puts Purdue to work. Well, so. here's, here's my thing with Carson Edwards is that he's capable of putting up that dud. And it's not necessarily anything that an opposing team does to him. He just takes terrible, terrible shots. Mm-hmm. And it's usually when he's feeling himself and thinking he's, he's had a good game, which he's played incredible. So I think he had 26 against Old Dominion and then 42 against Villanova, which was impressive. Um, but he also, coming into this tournament, had – shot 25% or worse in four of their previous seven games. So I, I don't know if we're necessarily going to get that kind of consistency out of him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I agree. But I, I just think that he has one more game in him. Um, the one thing that I think needs to happen is I think Matt Harms needs to play like he's seven foot three uh, and really attack the board. <laughs> 
because if he <laughs> if he lets if he lets someone like Grant Williams, uh, who is a a very soft six foot seven, mm-hmm. um, out rebound him, then I don't think Purdue wins that game. But but I right now I think that Purdue's playing well enough, and Tennessee is playing just mediocre enough where I think Purdue pulls it out. Yeah, I, I want to stick with you, Connor. Uh, going down to the Midwest, talk about Houston and Kentucky. Uh, this is going to be a game I, I think a lot of people don't know how good Houston is. Um, Kentucky is certainly a good team, but I think uh, is not the team that many remember from February. And a lot of it has to do with P.J. Washington's injury. Uh, and I know you have some thoughts on the way fans should be dealing with these kind of injuries uh, in the tournament or just in general. Yeah, I had Kentucky as going to the national championship game uh, when the tournament started. Uh, I kept it under the assumption that P.J. Washington would be back. Right now, I think that Houston could very well win this game. I think that they both like to play at the same pace, so tempo shouldn't be an issue. Houston's playing really well. Kentucky is having some issues scoring the ball. Um, My issue, as you said, with people – I think that people take sports a little bit too seriously <laughs> and I'm going to get up and stand on my soapbox here. If you actively wish someone gets injured, uh, publicly state that you hope they get injured, rejoice in the fact that they get injured, um, tell them to hurt themselves or harm themselves. You're just a scum person. I've seen people do it with Zion Williamson. I've seen people do it with Corey Kispert after his technical foul. I've seen people very happy that PJ Washington is out. I think that yes, when you play a sport and you play a sport at that level, you're subjecting yourself to a little bit of criticism. Um, Just don't do that. Cause if I see it, I will find it. And I, and I think that we can all agree that the, our followers, the followers of busting brackets will, uh, will see that and will make their, their lives somewhat of a living nightmare. So (laughs) uh, yeah, I just, Look, Kentucky's good enough without P.J. Washington to win this game. But right now, if he doesn't play, I, I think I might give the edge to Houston. Uh, Houston's playing well. Uh, and with their guards and the way their offense has been playing over the past month or so, kind of like Texas Tech, have taken it to another level. Uh, they're a dangerous team. Uh, their offense isn't anywhere near the level of UNC or Auburn, though. Uh, Tristan, I think that might be the most fun game of the week. And I, I've said first 200 wins that one. But what do you see? Yeah, I think uh, UNC is the favorite from a talent perspective. But I actually think uh, this is one of those games where the tempo could favor Auburn. I think, you know, UNC wants to run teams out the gym. They want to go up and down. You saw what they did against Gonzaga at home. They're, you know, they love to score. They want to go up and down the court. But so does Auburn. And I think when you look at a team as hot as the Tigers are and who has the bodies down low with Jumo Kiki, Austin Wiley, Daniel Parafoy, they're going to cause problems for Luke May. And historically, Luke May does tend to struggle when he has to go up against a whole bunch of bodies down low. And unless you have, unless, you know, Kobe White and Cam Johnson can go off and this could end up being a shootout of three pointers, this is a scenario where I think Auburn could legitimately beat them down because I don't think either team has any true plans of stopping the other. So this could be I think uh, if you looked at Michigan and Texas Tech, how that's going to be the battle of two great defenses, this is going to be a battle of two mirror offenses. 
it kind of depends what Auburn team shows up, right? Is it the one that blew out Kansas, or is it the one that needed a miracle essentially to beat New Mexico State? Yeah, you know what? I, I think, uh, you know, I know Brandon made the point about, you know, conference tournament winners struggling. The one exception has been Auburn, and they've just remained on fire throughout. And this is the team that we all, well, I personally had as a top 10 preseason team. <laughs> they have the talent. They have the bodies and depth. And, you know, speaking of uh, talented point guards in the SEC, you know, we don't give a lot of credit to Jared Harper, who really is one of the best point guards not only in the SEC, in the country, you have him, you have someone Brown, uh, Samir Daughtry, who is a talented guard in his own right. I, I think they've reached a point where once they figured out the rotations with the bigs fully eligible and able to play, that we're starting to see who Auburn truly is as a preseason top 15 team and a Final Four contender. Well, do you think they'll make the Final Four? Who do you have coming out of here? Uh, I, I had I have Auburn upset in UNC. I think uh, you know I had three uh, ACC teams in there, but I had Florida State as third instead of UNC. And when you look at the other matchup, I think uh, Kentucky is going to benefit from the fact that Houston's such a small team. I think uh, Travis Reed, uh, Reed Travis has played well, and I think they'll do just enough to get past Houston. But in the end, I do have Auburn upset in Kentucky to be a, uh, to make the Final Four. Brandon, what do you think? Who comes who comes out of this region? Yeah, I like UNC. Auburn has been playing really well, um, but I just think that UNC is better at that style and better at playing fast. So I'll take North Carolina in that game, and I'm going to take Houston in the two three matchup. It it just doesn't look like PJ Washington's going to play. I don't. I haven't heard any indication that he is. I think without him, they really struggled to score against Wofford. You know, if Fletcher McGee hadn't gone over twelve and hit just a few more threes, Kentucky might not even be here. I think Houston's more solid. I think they're a great defensive team, and I think they'll get the job done against Kentucky. But then I got UNC over Houston, and I have UNC playing in Minneapolis. Anthony, what about you? Um, I like. North Carolina to uh, beat Auburn um, and Houston to beat Kentucky. Um, Tyler Hero, Tyler Hero, and um, Keldon Johnson are going to be key for Kentucky, but I don't think they have the firepower without the firepower and the wherewithal to beat a Houston team without DJ Washington. And um, I have. Um, <clears throat> Or excuse me, I have um, North Carolina going all the way to the to the Final Four and the championship game, like I had at the beginning. And um, in terms of their matchup with Houston, I think it'll be close, but I think Houston, in maybe the last eight minutes, will start to wear down because North Carolina is just too overpowering. Overpowering. Connor. What do you think? Yeah, I want to say that Auburn can challenge UNC, but I mean the real way to challenge UNC is to force the game to be played in the paint. And Auburn doesn't play that way. Auburn take, likes to take a lot of threes. They like to make a lot of threes, but I don't think that they can beat UNC in the paint. And I think if you look at UNC, both their success in the paint as well as their opponent's success in the paint – correlates really strongly to whether or not they play well and whether or not they win. So I think UNC wins, 
uh, because they dominate the paint. And I, I just don't think Auburn can shoot well enough from deep to beat them, especially not at that pace. Uh, I, like I said, I'm probably going to take Houston now, um, which will be a departure from my bracket. But without P.J. Washington, I just don't know if Kentucky can keep up offensively with Houston. And for the same reasons that I like UNC over Auburn, I like UNC over Houston. And I just think that right now, the two one seeds that are playing the best are Gonzaga and UNC. I think UNC right now is playing the best basketball of anyone in the country. And so I like UNC going to the Final Four. I agree with that. I I have UNC winning the national championship. And I think what we saw this weekend from them only strengthened that in my mind. They're a team that doesn't necessarily have any real holes. They can play big if you want to play big. They can go small if you want to play small. If you want to play fast, that's right up their alley, and they'll do it better than you. If you want to play slow, they have the size and rebounding to make it make it hard on you. I think they can beat you the most ways. They're deep, they're experienced, explosive. I think UNC is getting out of this region, and I think they're winning the national championship. Connor, I know before the tournament you had picked Duke to win the championship. Do you still feel that Duke will win the title, or would you change your pick now? The way they're playing right now, I think, honestly, I think it's going to be Gonzaga, UNC, or Texas Tech, UNC. I think whoever comes out of that West region uh, will will know enough to not try and push the pace against Duke. I think that Gonzaga especially uh, has the size inside to really challenge the Blue Devils. I think Gonzaga and Texas Tech both have the depth to withstand a game that's really physical against the Blue Devils. I think UNC probably makes the national championship game out of that side of the bracket. Um, I think they beat Virginia in that third matchup. Uh, and I like UNC now to win. I had Duke heading into the tournament, but the way they're playing, I just don't see anyone really beating the Tar Heels. Anthony, who did, who did you pick coming into the tournament? And do you still feel like they'll win or would you change your pick after the first weekend? Um, I had UNC going all the way. Um, USC is just, you, UNC, not USC, excuse me. <laughs> UNC is just playing lights out. Um, that's a credit to Roy Williams, Luke May, Kobe White, and all those guys. Um, I'm hoping that we get, like I said, a Duke and North Carolina um, championship game. North Carolina wins it. I don't see anybody. I don't see anybody else beating Duke other than North Carolina. I think. Other than Gonzaga, maybe Duke has a better chance against them, but not against North Carolina. So I have North Carolina going all the way um, and beating Houston as well. Okay. Brandon, who did you pick before the tournament started? I took Virginia in the revenge story, and I still think Virginia is going to make the championship. You know, I have, I, I can't forget about the game maybe a month back where they beat North Carolina in Chapel Hill and just mm-hmm. totally slowed them down and took them out of their rhythm. And like I said earlier, I think Virginia has maybe the easiest road for a one seed, maybe it's UNC, to at least get to the Final Four. But after watching last weekend, I think Gonzaga is now going to win the national championship. They Like, you know, like I said, they've come out laser-focused, and they can do it all. Probably that front court left with Hachimura and Clark, perimeter shooting with Norval, Perkins, and Kispert. Um, and I think right now they can get past Florida State. I think that's going to be a tough matchup. But if Gonzaga can get past Florida State, I think they're going to win it all. Tristan, we'll close with you. Who did you pick, and are you sticking with it? Yes. Yeah, so uh, I have uh, still have Duke win it all. 
over Auburn, I think when you look at matchup-wise, uh, to beat UNC, you're going to have to outscore them. There's only a few teams left in the dance that can truly outscore them in a first-to-90 game. I think Auburn has the horses to do so. Uh, I think you know every championship team has that one close call before they start to go on a run. I think the Blue Devils have that, and they should be able to get to, to the Final Four. Uh, you can make a legitimate argument in any other bracket. Gonzaga, Florida State, Texas Tech, and Michigan could be true Final Four contenders if they were spread out. One of them's going to have to advance. I have Florida State just barely because I think, you know, similar to Syracuse in a way, a team with that kind of length and athleticism is such a hard opponent to face when you're not used to them. So I think that's why uh, they'll get through. And, you know, I still have reservations about the Cavaliers. You know, it might be unfair to them based on the past, but I do wonder if a team can be able to just uh, put the pressure on them like Gartner Webb did for a little bit in the first round, whether or not they'll succumb to it. And I think, you know, from a talent standpoint, Tennessee has the ability to go to potentially all the way. But for now, I'm going to stick with Duke going to the title game. And I'm just a huge fan of Auburn. I think uh, they're showing why they're a Final Four contender, and I have them going, you know, there's going to be upsets. But there, there were very little in the first round. There has to be some kind of craziness. There's there's enough talent around for us to see some surprises. Mm-hmm. Why not Auburn go all the way to the title game to face Duke? It would be a interesting story, I think, from the NCAA perspective, if Bruce Pearl were to make that run and be held up as this Cinderella-type coach leading uh, one of the lower seeds on a long run. I think that would be an interesting dynamic to see. Uh, I'm hoping we get a Duke-UNC matchup. In the national championship game, I think the college basketball world, uh, particularly the state of North Carolina, might explode if that happens, which I, I think it would, just, it would just be a ton of fun to see that. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's going to be a, a fun weekend of games, that's for sure. A lot of high-profile matchups. Um, we'll be back with you guys next week. We'll have four teams to the Final Four. Uh, so for me, Connor, uh, and Tristan, Brandon, and Anthony as well, thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you guys next time.